It's a show about change. Welcome to Bob's Basement. Here's your host, Bob Willett. I was hoping to hear that Blind Melon song change in your intro. It was there. Was it? Yes. Oh, it's, it's just a phrase. You want to hear it again? Because <laughs> it's there. Let's hear it again. Hang on. Oh, this very opens with it. It opens with it, bud. Oh, of course. Yeah. Right. Well, now I feel... That's awesome. That's one of my favorite. That's probably my favorite Blind Melon song. I yeah, I put that uh, lyric in uh, my yearbook for like grade eleven. Nice. My grade twelve yearbook quote was um, actually also about change. It was Pearl Jam from Corduroy? Everything oh. has uh, so uh, everything has changed. Nothing has changed. So yeah. that's, that's weird. That was, I never really yeah. realized that. Anyways, uh, yeah. So and my buddy, uh, my buddy Frank Loritis, who uh, is a producer, uh, he put that together for me. I gave him the songs. I'm like, do something fun with that, and that's what he came up with. So it's kind of fun. Oh, then there's a Fishbone song called Change as well, which is good. So let's talk about your yeah. love of right. music. Let's talk about that. You know, yeah. like uh, a grade eleven. By that point, had you already? Were you doing zines? Like what? Like you? You were like a big mu- like. You're not a musician, though, right? Like, have you ever played music? Yeah, no. I'm I'm like six foot three and re- like I'm I'm tall and yeah, broad. You know, I don't. Uh, I I'm not meant to be on a stage. Oh, I, uh, I, I I have enough confidence to be behind the scenes. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't need. Uh, just preface this interview: the fact that I had an accident and that I'm on a bunch of meds. You are medicated right now. I was going to start with how you. Okay, how. So, do uh, so you, we'll I've been following your journey. Goes. I've been following your injury journey on your Facebook, and yeah. uh, you you have a you you, you hurt yourself. Uh, it's a very rare uh, occurrence, uh, apparently. Yeah, yeah I uh, I tripped and broke. There's three three ways you can break your pecker, and I broke them in two. And one of them uh, being the most painful way is your urethra. Oh. Uh, and uh, so I uh, the hospitals right now are unfortunately pretty gnarly. Uh, yeah various sicknesses so uh yeah i was there with a broken pecker um <laughs> pretty you know when a whole bunch of nurses are like oh never seen this before and then, unfortunately my urologist that i met was a very nice fella and at one point i i, I started scre- i i was funny because i was thinking like i was screaming i had to go pee yeah and i have this broken pecker that like you know i've lived with this beautiful thing for 45 years and now it's changed on me and um and then I started screaming and then immediately started, I was soaked and I, I was like, oh, all these people just think I'm some crazy yeah. lunatic that took too much meth. And I was like, I need drugs. I need drugs. <laughs> and, I, and they took my blood pressure and they like brought out the, like the cardiac arrest machine. Cause I like, oh, wow. have a heart attack. You're in that much I, pain. I, yeah. I kind of passed out. And then, uh, they filled me full of morphine and put me in emergency surgeries. Oh my God. <laughs> so, so this is uh, like a week ago. Yeah, so it's a it's gnarly. Like I am, I'm definitely a, a rare case, and I have a nurse that comes every day to uh, flush it out with salt water. Oh my god! <laughs> I know, and she's very sweet. And then she's like, "I've heard about this. We've we've talked about this." She's like, "All my peers are like calling me. It's like I got I got I got it. It's like they found the white whale." Oh, this- <laughs> <laughs> they're gonna. I'm telling you, there are people. There are nurses talking about you right now. All this weekend, yeah. you won't believe. I- Honestly, I, I like it's funny. I have so much attention on my 
pecker right now. It's 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 quite funny. Might change my profession after that. I'm not sure. <laughs> well, but, will uh, it will it change? Like will like I like are you gonna have a scar? Like or is there gonna be well, like are you gonna be uh, have a little crook in really it now? Because I am super high right now. Um, <laughs> I'm previously circumcised. Yeah, and they have to recircumcise me. So <gasps> wow, I'm sure it'll look a little different. Yeah, I, I'm kind of chalking up as. Uh, the polite way a lot of people, when they get plastic surgery, call it a refresh. If you ever hear people go, I'm going in for a refresh, refresh. and they just here for a couple of weeks. So I'm hoping at the end of this, there's <laughs> a bit of a refresh. A refresh. I, I like it. it. Can you, while they're doing it, can you add a couple inches? One of the, oh, God, no. Just, just get back to later. Oh, my God. I, dude, I, mental. you have been yeah. so uh, open about it. And uh, you have, uh, yeah. clearly, have, yeah, I mean, you, I guess you have to have a great sense of humor about it because otherwise, <laughs> You do, because you, you definitely go in some pretty dark places thinking about it. And then uh, my wife being a broadcaster, I know yes. she's going to talk about it. And then working in the music industry, everyone puts a very negative narrative over everything. And so I'm sure if I didn't say anything and I disappeared for several weeks, oh, right. and then people, I'm sure everyone would have been... Joel's in rehab. <laughs> yeah, some crazy stories. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, I think men's health is usually not really spoken out or spoken often. So I figured... Well, why not just be forward about this and yeah, and maybe some people go to the doctors and get checked out or no, because just... a lot of the doctors and nurses actually spoke to me, but like, like the fact that you came in right away is like a rare thing for men. And I was like, well, I've lived with this bad boy for a while and I'm good friends with it. Yeah. I, don't, I don't need it changing on me now. No kidding. Uh, well, you know what? That is a good point. You know, we are generally speaking men do, i mean i got a brother-in-law who's like my you know around our age mid 40s a guy hasn't been to the doctor in 20 years i'm like dude yeah. you need to go to the doctor just to make sure you know check the oil you know something make sure everything's okay yeah you take your car and take yourself in yeah exactly exactly well i appreciate you taking the time i i know we had a couple couple uh, scheduling things and uh you're under the weather so i really appreciate it man yeah yeah <laughs> no, i have to find one uh, my house is also under construction so that's good timing so. you're always under construction you had the backyard and then you've always yeah. got something going on man uh yeah i know i needed things a certain way yeah um, so I'm in a room that we don't use that often anymore which is the workout room <laughs> so it's nice and quiet in here <laughs> that's good well, i appreciate and it's pa day today so i don't know my kids are home i don't know if yours are or not but uh, they're at my in-laws oh yeah good i can't really do anything with them outside of maybe watch a movie for a little bit right yeah and keep them don't don't climb on daddy no no do not climb on daddy I see dad cry. I remember after I got the uh, the old snip snip, uh, making sure that the uh, that the, that the kids stay away, and you couldn't really tell the kids why. It was just like, well, daddy, daddy yeah. strained a muscle, so stay away. I didn't tell them. They're catching on by seeing all the sure, yeah. Oh, they don't know. They don't know that. So that you weren't. They didn't hear you when you. No, I don't need. A, they don't need this trauma. Yeah, I fair. Out. <laughs> I just true. told them I got in an accident, and it's around my belly. And oh yeah. Hair. Okay. Well, that's good. That's good. All right. Uh, <laughs> Thank there, you. There, 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 there's the update on Joel's yeah. penis. Um, I wanted to talk to you specifically uh, on this show. I've had some of your artists on. I've had the Dirty Nail on. I got artists that you've had relationships with, like Monster Truck, and uh, and I, I, I met uh, the guys in the Crown in Crownlands. Or I, I you know, hung out with the guys in Crownlands at the clubhouse with you uh, on a Super Bowl party sometimes. So, and obviously, we have a lot of mutual friends. Your wife is Josie Dye, who I've worked with before, and you know we've we've uh, we we've, we've known each other a long time. And and I thought your perspective on the idea of change when it comes to the industry that 
that you're in uh, and the industry I'm in, uh, you know, the broadcast media side, I thought it'd be a really interesting conversation given your passion for what you do and how things how things have changed. You have a bricks and mortar store selling a ton of vinyl. You, if you told me, if, if, if I said you'd have that 18 years ago, you'd probably be like, no, that's ridiculous. I would never do that. Um, yeah. Let's talk about how you started, how you got in. Like you said, you got had the confidence to be backstage, to be the guy behind, behind the... Uh, oh, it's such a loaded question. I'll try to narrow it down, but obviously, you know, I've just been a music fan from birth i yeah. assume yeah or, yep uh, my parents can tell stories like my first halloweens i was kiss right was from kiss and yeah i uh something with the music and it vibrated me and it uh, made me feel better about myself yeah and i was uh, and then you know you further along then you're the you're the kid in like public school that's bringing the mixtape in uh now i guess it would be playlist but back then it was mixtapes yep and then uh i had a lot of friends and older brothers Nice. And then I traveled around North America a lot from the age of five to about 12. So I was exposed to a lot. And uh, BMX, right? You're a BMX biker, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, so it just kind of was this thing that I gravitated towards. I'm like, you know, all my family loves music as well. So just kind of wanted to work in a record store, you know, yeah. then, but I wanted to work in a record store because at the time I, I thought like owning a record store would be the best. Okay. Like, bring artists in and go to concerts and you're involved in rock and roll and you're, I've always, as, as I enjoy popular music. Of course, I have a lot of popular bands, but I've always gravitated towards like the underdog and the underground and stuff that's a little bit more maybe considered culturally relevant, you know, mm-hmm. there's certain songs that come and go, but usually culturally relevant bands stand the test of time. So I like being a little pioneer for uh, those types of artists. And then, you know, I, gravitated towards like the heavier side of music than hip-hop and it just was this slow progression of trying to find my way being from a small town and it was pre-internet uh and then internet hit and then uh like i was like in 96 i became a warp tour reporter i like i got an email finally and i applied because i was going to start this uh oh god this zine called chub that we did one one zine for nice um it's pretty funny actually and um so it just kind of kept going and going and then not having too many influential people around me that uh, that were doing a lot of, of uh, you know, graduating and moving on to great things. There was a couple. And then so I, my one friend, Steve Stumble, ran Stumble Records, and I just thought it was fascinating that this guy who lived in his parents' basement had a record label. And I was like, you, you put out other people's music? And then this other gentleman named Kashmir from the original Egg People started Scene Festival, which I ended up taking over. And I was just, Scene Festival for me was just epic. It was like in St. Catharines and it supported local bands and put them on a larger stage and shined a light on our community. And Steve was doing this record label. And then, uh, so just kind of this natural progression that led into shows, that led into me doing an email list and... It just kept going, and then I kept on getting odd jobs everywhere. And then um, I worked at a major label. I worked uh, – that was a weird job. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, worked for some rich guy's record label that was basically a hobby to keep connected with his kids. Um, I started DJing at bars and throwing concerts. And I just started doing as much as I possibly could because no one was doing anything I could join. And everyone turned me down. I applied to major labels. I applied to CMW and North by Northeast. And, yeah. um, you know, I'm a guy from St. Catharines that has no contacts. So it's like, I'll just do things myself. Yeah. And uh, 
then Dallas worked in the mall and I worked in the mall and then we struck up a relationship and then kind of, you know, mall culture. Yeah. <laughs> nice. I, I, I saw his band. I was like, I'm going to figure out how to help you. And was that Alexis on fire at that time? No. Were they all right. No, they weren't yet. Peloton blue. Okay. Yeah. And then we just, uh, I had a drive and a, a, a confidence. And so did he, we had a similar drive and confidence yeah. to be honest, and loyalty to each other. And then, uh, and then, oddly enough, through all of this, we're still together. Yeah, absolutely. Another song today. Oh, just today. Nice. Yeah. Do you have a moment? I ask uh, artists, I ask singers, like, do they, like, when they're out on stage and they notice that, hey, they're singing our song back to us. Do you have a moment when you're like, do you remember, like, hey, I'm making it. I'm doing, or did you always just have the confidence you knew you were going to? Or was there a check no. you cashed? Or was there something where you're like, holy shit, this is my job now? Yeah. I've always gotten by, but I've always been, I'm still always, as confident as I am, I'm equally as insecure and sure. I'm always, I'm never really satisfied and that could be considered drive. Yeah. Um, I have satisfactory moments, but I, I, I think um, there's a, a handful of ones and they still kind of occur, which is nice, not yeah. as frequent. Yeah. But um, when, uh, you know, I, I left the house at, or like, well, I considered an early age. I think I was 20. Yeah. Um, and uh, because I wanted to pursue a career in music and not work at the post office. Yep. And then so when Alexis on Fire and City in Color and t- started getting radio and much music and Never Any White Lights was out and then you couldn't escape what we were doing. Yeah. Uh, and then not in like a like a disgenuous, not authentic way, like some of the bands were forced to listen to these days. It was very, um, it just kind of happened. Yeah. And I remember at that point I was like skateboarding in Port Luzi and I'm just like, I went to a, a bar and sitting colors played and went to the Avondale a corner store and Alexis was played. I was like, okay, <laughs> I'm, I'm okay. Something's happening. Yeah. And then our bands were touring around the world. So there's all these check marks that you put in front of yourself, uh, you know, unattainable potentially or uh, uh, you know small steps and then when you hit them you feel you try to take a moment to reflect it got a little busy for several years where we're doing so much that i wish i could have enjoyed it a bit more right that's why i scaled down a few things uh on purpose or maybe not on purpose uh kids that happens but just it was all it's all fun and big and it's great but then at some point you realize you're giving so much of yourself away to people that don't really care about you. Right. Or, or, you know, and then you got to kind of, you realize what's important. It's like your, your friends and your family and you want to take care of them. So you got to figure out that balance. And uh, I just had to figure out that balance. Like too many people were just bumming me out and like disrespecting, not disrespecting me, but everyone's a little self-serving in the, the industry. Yeah. And still to date, if not more now, uh, so you just kind of guard up and protect yourself and jump in with uh, some people that you hope are equally as loyal and uh, have the same drive and passion as you. Well, when you're an independent like you are, um, mm-hmm. w- those influences where like, like, you know, you talked about, you know, you had never any white lights and you had a uh, city in color and Alexis on fire everywhere. Now, at what point did you learn about, you know, like, did you hire radio representation like i know our our friend uh, at canvas media like at what point how did you do that like tyzowski was a, a major label guy but at the very beginning how did you learn all that how did you know how to like was it literally like you said just emailing cmw and then north by northeast and well, was it the same thing with the music when I, it was completely independent i 
well, I'm not afraid to ask questions. Yeah. And I don't have an ego that gets in front of me to pretend I'm the smartest guy in the room. I know I'm usually not, but I'm confident enough to ask a question, not feel dumb. So it's not rocket science. So as you know, things scale, how do you scale to the next step? So you surround yourself with people in certain fields that are far more smart than you Mm -hmm. and uh, ask them for their time and be polite and ask some questions. So I fortunately was able to find myself around some really um, smart people in their, their fields uh, as things were growing, you yeah. know, you know, at first you're just kind of rolling with it. And then at some point you got to be like, okay, so how do I, how do I get to the UK? Right. Who, who, who can I ask? Let yeah. me ask a few friends to introduce you. And then uh, you kind of go from there. So, uh, you know, I ask a lot of questions and then usually I let logic dictate. Yeah. I know that's a little crazy these days, but it seems to have worked for us. <laughs> you know, sometimes, you know, yeah, I mean, if this, then that, right? Like that is how things work. And I, and I agree with you hundred percent what you said there. I read a, I don't read a lot of those executive like power empowerment books, but one of the lines I've, I, that stuck with me always is strive to be the dumbest person in the room, you know, surround yourself with people who are, and don't be threatened by other people's talent and other people's success and, uh, yeah. and learn from it. And so I, I agree with you hundred percent. I, I think that all, all the time I'm, I'm, I'm very much uh, of that mindset. I just, I find your, I find your journey fascinating fascinating because you've done all this you've you've grown to uh, to become Dylon Records which has so many great internationally renowned artists but the you know you've had to you've obviously had to change and evolve all along because the business model has changed the way you made money at the beginning is different than the way you make money now i assume yeah it um well we we started the 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 label it was it 2005, right? Yeah, 05 um, is the according to the website. 05, and we were told we were crazy. Yeah. Then, because of uh, Napster and yeah, you know, record stores were closing and MySpace, and it was a start of well, my I guess Nap no, uh, Friendster. Friendster, Friendster at that Napster. time, sure. <laughs> so it was the start of like the social media and pirating and the cultural change. So I've never I've never been comfortable. <laughs> right. You never had the chance to yeah, yeah get I've lazy. Never had the ch- <laughs> Yeah, I've never had the chance to be comfortable and and um, fully get like oh, there's a couple years where it's like ah, okay, (laughs) here we go. Because for every change that happens, uh, there's a whole set of a group of people that come in and go. Like you know, for twelve years, I knew every single human at the edge. Sure. And you could go in there and have talks and go for dinner, and now like there's no cultural connect no friend connection is just some guy yeah. that the fingers crossed so you know there's been lots of changes um you know as those companies as an example of the course and uh those larger companies they kind of fire and shrink down and put consultants in and yeah. you lose a lot of a lot of the big box companies and and like these dsps they, they unfortunately they just lose a little bit of the soul a little bit of the heart as they try to grow and scale down uh, around change. And then we've always kind of maintained our vibe. Yeah. You know, no, you've That's been true to your soul. vision, whatever. Did you have a vision? Like, I, I know you, I, like, I know you, 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 you worked with somebody, you got the, you have the logo, but did you have, was there a specific vision? You're like, I want to do this. Was there like a mantra? Well, you know, it, the vision was a, at first I wanted to work in music. I yeah. wanted a record store. Yeah. It, it changes, it morphs as you, become more knowledgeable and learn you realize you might want a little bit more and then uh 
So, you know, I could be romantic and tell you, I was like, I wanted to be a manager and this and that. Like, I didn't know what a fucking manager was when I was a manager. Right. Yeah. It wasn't until I met Tragically Hips Management who started talking to me. I was like, are you guys managers? Was that Jake? Or was Uh, that Bernie? The other ones after that. Bernie, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, okay. So they were kind of like the first managers I met, which was funny. That's years into me. Yeah, you're already doing stuff. Yeah, yeah. Fire and running scene festival. Yeah. And, um, you know, I I had the idea, you know, I I was enjoying managing bands. I started managing Bedouin Sound Clash, and I I was having fun doing it. Um, And I was obviously having some good successes uh, in Canada and globally. And then for City in Color, we just wanted, I wanted uh, a record label that gave him no pressure. And so did he. Right. So I started the record label because I'm like, well, I'm, I like brands. I like, like I trust, I like trusted brands like SST and discord and sub pop and all these cool labels. Yeah. Like I'd buy it and I'd be like, I trust what they're going to sell me. So I'm like, well, let's start our own label for you. And I'm not going to pressure you to like dive out of Alexis on fire because he was getting lots of pressure to leave Alexis and do his own things right. of his voice and everything. Yeah. And I'm like, we'll just roll with it. We'll just do it. Yeah. And then, um, and it really was like that until he left and his pressures were his own pressures uh, Yeah, and it was just too much. Uh, and there's a lot of other various reasons, sure. but so, um, you know, the label started and then I, you know, it was really for the bands I managed. Right. I just needed to kind of have a more control with the artists over what we're doing versus leaving it in the hands of other people. And then, um, you know, we started, we picked up Tokyo police club and hot, hot heat and Brant Bjork and Jim Ward from Sparta. And I just started, I wanted to be a, a more of a, a round, well-rounded record label. And I always found like with my website that I had called Bedlam Society, I met a lot of people. Mm. Uh, if I'm able to do something for them, specifically Americans, they're a little bit nicer back to you. Interesting. Um, so, you know, I have this management company. Now I have a record label. So I could put out records in Canada, Australia, America or wherever. And if I do a good job, I have this other established relationship with people that can then help my bands that I'm working with anyways. Right. So the whole thing was just building out this like credible credibility and some contacts and, um, and kind of utilize them for the overarching, uh, overarching, uh, what the company that is everything underneath it, I guess. Yeah. Our company, then the umbrella the umbrella company and then our management and label and everything. So that was the, 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 the goal. And I guess it kind of worked, you know, being Canadian is not easy uh, in this business. So did you avail of like the grant system that exists here, like for videos and stuff and stuff like that, yeah. video fact, all that stuff. Yeah, we, we took, um, you know, we applied, I, I, you know, I'm at first, not as much, but then of course uh, it's there and it's available. You know, Canada has to protect their culture because Canadians don't even like their culture. We're just unfortunate. It's really unfortunate. I, I think if there was a bigger body of water between us, we would have our own identity. Yeah. And if we weren't part of the North Americas, we're the, just Canada. Yeah. We have our own culture. Similar and, to Australia, right? You know, like they're yeah, they're they're they're, they're literally they're physically isolated from everything else, and and we're not. Let America do its thing and kind of satellite. Yeah. What we do here. Right. Um, 
So what was the reason? Oh, I just asked you if you if you because you know you say Canadians don't you know Canadians don't really care for their own their own uh, product not part you know their own culture that was the word and yeah. I just I, I said you know I work in an industry where uh, I think we've done it wrong you know where radio stations play thirty five or forty percent Canadian but they are not really rewarded for playing new Canadian music they were only rewarded no. so you end up playing fifty four forty and Moist and and these are all fine bands but you don't yeah. you should be rewarded for playing newer artists and I know in the 88 they had a, a condition of their license to play emerging artists and yes. that's not applied to other but now in the this world where radio has become i mean we're now can go down a rabbit hole here but i mean yeah. we were everybody has all their music right here on their phone you know are you are you then handcuffing the broadcasters by making them play unfamiliar stuff i guess my question to you more was yeah what was about how has the the governmental uh, you know their their policies have they helped you have you t with things like video fact and and oh, stuff like that? Of course, that? like um, so you know there are a lot of people that might abuse it and sure, but we've always what we do is we we make our plans, and if we get it, it's a bonus. But yeah. we're going to continue moving forward right. if we don't get it. Yeah, we're not going to base our staffing on a grant. We're not going to sign bands because of a grant. And there are a lot of record labels that look at. You know, are they from Halifax? Are they indigenous? Are they this, this? And they go through the list just so they can get the grants. Yeah. Um, I obviously diversity is important. Yes. But I just think you naturally should be diverse. Right. Uh, it should have been there to begin with without a grant telling you you have to be. Right. So um we do what we do, and if we can get grants along the way, great. And I think, you know, for the government and uh, the different people that award these grants, we always show a momentum moving forward. We can show that we're bringing money back into Canada. Yeah. We're exporting artists and bringing money back in. We have a good success rate. So like, you know, for companies like us to get it, it doesn't look bad on them to be uh, funding us because we're developing new talent. We're developing new companies. We're bringing new properties in and we're exporting. So we do show good growth. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, you absolutely you do. No, I, I and and you're it's a unique business model that has had to be uh nimble, I think given COVID and uh, and uh, yeah. that must have changed everything. Like I would imagine at the beginning when you started in 2005, you know, the the the, the money I, I my understanding is now like the the money is all in live shows now. And so that would have disappeared for 2 years. So yeah. where do you know and, and I I just I I think you you've you've had to changed so much and yet through it all you did things like you built a clubhouse and have a, a you finally have that record store that you wanted um yeah. what was what, what what drove you to do that what was the like because you know it's, it's hard to have control <laughs> control it's all about control um, it uh and when i say control it's not like a self-serving thing for me it's for the greater uh anyone that's involved in what we're doing but um you know i i wanted a brick and mortar store slash event space in our office so we can host. Yeah. Um, I had offices around the world, like in Germany, Nashville, uh, Los Angeles, and, and, you know, we had staff in them and it just, it felt like we were not pretending by any means. We were very well, well known in Nashville as the, the Nashville rock label, which is kind of cool. Um, it just was a little strange and, you know, proud to be from our area and represent Southern Ontario as, you know, Drake is on the hip hop side and doing sure. it one million times bigger. Yeah. Um, 
so I just, you know, kids and everything, I just wanted a spot for independent music out of Canada to be proud of. Right. And to show that in a, cu- a culture now that's predominantly leaning with like, um, it's like a hip hop culture. It's the predominant culture now. And it's a lot of posturing and it's like, look what we got, look what we got. And all I hear is rock and roll's dead. I just wanted a space where um, independent music, not just rock, because we've had indigenous showcase, hip hop showcases, yeah. everything that could come in and feel like, oh, like you can you can do something really interesting and fun and cool on a large scale. And so that space was for that. And then that way we can record our own content. We could throw shows, host at parties. Um, and well, and then we also have our own D2C business out of there and our warehouse. Yeah. And so it was pretty insular and that way you're not, I don't know, not paying as much sure. uh, satellite offices. And, uh, and Toronto's one of the, one of the powerhouses in the world and specifically North America. So a lot of people float through Toronto. Yeah. They're coming, they come through. So, they, so it's not that big a deal for to have them come by. Yeah. Yes. Now yeah. have a stop, which is great. My next question is very kind of self-serving because of the industry that I'm from and how we met. Um, the, a lot of the bands you play, you know, you talked about popular music versus a lot of the other bands that you've signed or you, you, you distribute, um, haven't been, aren't really radio friendly bands. Uh, but mm. how important along the way has radio been for your artists and how has that changed in the last while? Yeah. Well, uh, I can talk to the bands that we think will get radio yeah. and, uh, obviously did really well. Yeah, <laughs> sure. Whether it's Bedouin, Alexis, Sitting Color, Arkells, Attack and Black sheepdogs monster truck yeah. lemoneers uh sitting color um so those artists that did do well they're part of canada's cultural fabric now absolutely um how has radio changed uh I, and how is it important you, t- you value, touched on it earlier you touched on it earlier I with value, i still value radio yeah um because it's still local and it's still community driven to a certain degree yep and people still tune in on their cars, and it does sell tickets. It still sells tickets. That uh, okay. Um, and so I still value radio from that perspective. And who doesn't like hearing their song uh, on the radio? That's also one of the questions I always ask our artists: is you know, when did you remember the first time? And I think it's interesting. I wonder when a, a kid who's twelve now, if they get a, a deal at twenty, and they go and they're like, will it matter to them if their song gets played on the radio? It won't, right? Yeah, exactly. Not at all. Yeah. Um, like eight sixteen-year-old kids don't know what the radio is. No, exactly. That's yeah. the problem with my industry. So, but it's still, from where I am at, it still yeah. sells tickets. If I yeah. want to sell it at Bud Stage. I definitely want the radio stations on board. Right. In Toronto. Um. How has it changed? Well, like I said earlier, I don't think it's all of them are as culturally uh, planted as they used to be. Mm-hmm. I think, unfortunately, the the higher ups have taken a lot of the soul and character from these stations as yeah. they try to compete with DSPs. Um, I what what do I know? If I was them, I would have leaned the other way and went more culturally relevant yeah. and let the the DJs shine and let the music be interesting and yeah. Um, I think the formats are super strange. I, I, I like indie, to be honest. Like they have a pretty mixed format. They do. Um, yep. But like, I've almost worked know. there three times. So <laughs> I don't want to hear like I don't want to turn on here fuck another Arkell song. Right. And I like those guys. They're my friends. I started that. You started the yeah yeah. <laughs> but I like I don't want to hear another Arkell song. I don't want to hear certain bands that they just play the just, shit like, out of. It's lazy. It's lazy programming. Yeah. Yeah. And no, there's a lot of great songs that they don't like. Radio doesn't touch on. And they still have the ability 
to help break and they don't and so it's like for example one of our bands new west radio didn't really touch it outside of indie the song is unbelievable they now are one of the highest streaming rock bands in canada yeah no radio play no radio play wow and they're getting signed by a giant major pisses me off but they're getting signed by a major record label of america right why because they're so massive online yeah played one show Radio could have adopted that. Could yep. have gotten bored, could have been held it as Canada's own, held it as their own. But how are you going to be culturally relevant if you're not breaking culture? Right. Fair enough. That you you brought up you're getting signed by somebody else, and I wanted to ask you, and maybe this is too inside. You don't have to answer this, but I knew the guys in Crownlands. I just used this as an example because I thought it was interesting. I knew it's so rare. I think to have a band that people are clamoring to be a part of. And Crownlands was one of those bands uh, that that I think a lot of labels had interest in. And I had met them. You were the first. Right. Well, this is what I was going to get to you, get, ask you about, because I thought it was interesting. Uh, I met at one of your great Super Bowl parties. I knew Cody and uh, uh, Kevin already um, yeah. from working at 94.9 The Rock. And... Um, and then they went, and then they ended up signing with another major label. I just want, what's that process like for you? Um, there's internal things that exist. Like that band specifically was, they're really great kids. They're so sweet and so nice. They really they're are. They're under a wing. Yeah. And then they went with a manager that I was very shocked that they did yeah. at the time. Yeah. And then they're like, well, we still want to sign to your label. And we're like, well, we're not in. Wow. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Um, wow. And uh, they went to Universal, and I'm sure Universal did a good job. But you know that band's awesome, and like their their management. There's all these little things that happen that yeah. are behind the scenes that you know, you know. I w wish they didn't get caught in it because it would have been awesome to sign them because we had a ton of great ideas for them, and we're yeah. already hooking up with shows and yeah, a bunch of stuff. And they're just very sweet. Like it'd be nice to be around them. They're, they're, the they're just, they really are. They they really are two of the nicest like, people on our end. And they're and they're like new to it, yep. and we weren't, and we were just like, "This really, <laughs> we don't want to." No, but uh, it's fun watching that band go. They're great dudes. What do you see? Gonna, then, I've taken up more of your time than I said I would. I said I only have you for half an hour, but uh, I have all I'm doing is I try to work, and I get tired. Yeah, and <laughs> nap. I go take care of my pecker. <laughs> I try to work, and I get tired. Yeah. So this, you're the only person I've really spoken to. Well, I, I, dude, I really appreciate it. And I, I appreciate speaking to you when I'm sober because we often run into each other at concerts or events and I've had some beverages. So it's nice to talk to you whilst I'm sober. Now you're high on medication, but, but I'm actually sober here. So it's, it's nice to have a conversation and where we don't have to yell over the music and whatnot. Um, talking my normal voice. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. Um, yeah, I, I, I just, uh, I, I wonder what you see as a uh, kind of next for records in, in Canada. Like records, really, as in like, what's the next format? Yeah, like, yeah, like you you know, you, you said rock and roll is dead. You know, you, you hear the same I thing that I hear. That. No, no, People you say, like yeah, no, you say you hear rock and roll is dead like I, like, like I have heard. What do you think? Yeah. I just think it, it's, it's all cyclical. Yeah. And I feel the last few years we're in a shitty version of the 80s again. Mm. And I think we're just kind of coming into like the early 90s. That'd be nice. And nice. What's the uh, next grunge, right? What's the next What's the next yeah, breaker? Like, what's going to break things up? I don't know who's the band that's going to be the band that does it, but I don't know if there ever is going to be. Like, 
you know, Billie Eilish comes along and, sure. and it changes things. Yep. And, you know, pop's pop. Pop is like, it's meant to be popular. Yep. So, uh, and that's great. So some of our pop stars seem a little bit cooler now, yeah. uh, more diverse. So that's awesome. I don't know. If I knew that, I I would be probably far more wealthy and talking to you from my helicopter with a healthy penis. <laughs> you never know. You still, if in an alternate yeah. world, maybe you broke no, your penis like, there too. <laughs> we, we like what we like. And, yeah. You know, we've always tried to be diverse. It's funny because like we've tried to sign so many hip hop artists over the years, but hip hop artists thought it was weird that a rock label wanted to sign them. Right. So we never ended up really uh, working in that. Uh, Do you work with so. chaos for a little bit? Yeah, we did. Yeah, <laughs> that was so difficult. He, I and know. I'm not being. That's not a secret. That's not a secret. He's not an uh, easy guy to work with. Jesus, no. like very, very talented. Oh my like, gosh, so great performer. Um, I I bought was, I bought from the Dynalone. I bought the uh, reissue of the uh, the, oh, the, the with the Joyful Rebellion. Yeah, just a fucking mental case. <laughs> so uh, we just couldn't uh, devote that much time to yeah. being wasted. <laughs> no, I understand. I understand. Um, but a good dude. Yeah. In the end, I, I do believe he's a good dude. Oh, but. I think so, too. I think he's a very good dude. And obviously, yeah, very, very talented. I was at the uh, the Drake uh, North All-Star, North Canadian All-Star yeah. show. I, I went in. I bought tickets I, on Ticketmaster. I somehow got in and, and watched that. And it was pretty great to see that because that was... That looked really cool. And I love what Drake's doing uh, with hip-hop. It was amazing. Of Canada. Was Mishi Me there? Now, Mishi Mish, I don't think she was there. The big, the big surprise of that show was uh, I don't know if you know Sean Desmond, the pop artist. Yeah, I remember him. Yeah. And he was it, he was a weird name on the list, and yeah. but he blew the place away. Like he, oh, cool. yeah, it was a really cool story. It's actually it's gone viral. Uh, he's re, he's reinvigorated his career, and I mean, you know, you talk about you know pop music, Canadian pop music. You know, there's all the international guys, but there's a guy like Sean Desmond who isn't really. He's not. He doesn't sell a lot of tickets, right? Like you know, he's he, you play. We play. They, he gets played on pop radio, but I don't think a lot of people knew a lot about him. But it looks like this is actually going to take him to another level. It was pretty amazing. The guy that had the swooshes in his hair. Yes. Yeah. 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 At one point. Yeah. Did, yeah. Did the did weekends manager used to manage him? Oh, it might have might have been with EXO. I'm not sure. Yeah. That was another Masari, maybe. maybe. Oh, Masari was it? Yeah. I don't. I, I don't know. How do you? Yeah. What is there like a man? Is there a little cabal of managers and like you guys know each other at all or you um, know? There used to be, I found, uh, I've kind of gotten a little more insular. Uh, I just trust a little less people, I suppose, yeah. which isn't a really good way to go about living. But I guess, you know, enough scars eventually. You kind of kind of look at the scars going. Yeah. But yeah, you know, you find yourself in certain like levels um, and meeting people like, yeah, like, yeah, like the, like, I don't know. Drake's. I don't know. Does Drake have a hundred managers? I have no idea. I, I assume Bable's one of them. Bable's I, an old pal. Yeah. But um, what do I need to know that his management yeah. for? Like, Fair. Um, but yeah, no, like we've, yeah, I think everything's not too far off. If like if there's anyone that you needed or like if one of my art, artists asked me, uh, there's probably one phone call away from meeting anyone I need right. to talk to. Uh, which is really weird to say out loud, to be honest. That's pretty so, pretty great. I mean, yeah, I mean, it, it means it's one of those, you know, you talk about, 
you know, you, that, you know, hearing all those bands all in one day and making it that, that that's a sign of, you know, really, you, you must be doing something yeah. right. You're, you're, you're well regarded in the industry. The, uh, the, the, what's that look for? <laughs> no, I, I, you know what? I, 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 I like to believe I am. Um, and we work hard at it because we're really honest and upfront and we have a moral code that we kind of go by. That's kind of teetering on impossible to follow for a lot of companies. Right. Um, so it's like, uh, you know, I think we're good people to have around or be around. Um, in in a climate where, you know, it's the top 1% these days, that's yeah. the world's designed for them. Yeah. So when you're part of that 99% and you're still kind of making roads and making things happen and you still exist on a certain level, we're obviously doing something right. And, uh, and we're not doing it in a way that we're hurting anyone. Is there an anecdote you could share? Because we haven't really talked about, you know, you talk about scars and you talk about being protective. Is there an anecdote you could share that changed the way you look at things, a negative, like something negative that you went through that, may, you know, made you go, I have to change. I got, I need, I need to pivot here or otherwise I'm going to want to quit or somebody's going to get hurt or I'm going to go broke or something like There's that. There's a bunch of things that have happened. I will say when the Arkells, um, like left us. Yeah when I was managing them and on the record label and had every major label around the world fighting for them. Um, and they left and blew all of it. Now, now that's great. The big Canadian band that one, I was like, sat there. I was like, okay, that's the first band I've managed that aren't part of my social net, like my friends. Okay. They weren't my friends. I just heard them fell in love. They're called Charlemagne at the time. And that one hurt me a lot because I was wow. like, we just we did something that no one's done out of Canada, a rock band that has every major label begging to sign this band. Yeah. And they blew it. And I sat there, I was like, it was a year of negotiations and it was blowing my mind. I got Pearl James manager involved, all these people, or not manager, sorry, lawyer. And I'm like, I know what I'm doing. Like, yeah, I do big stuff. I like small stuff. Give me something big, it'd be really easy, to be honest. Um and then they just blew it. They they were the smartest people in the room and didn't want to listen. And I'm sure there's other reasons that happened. Uh, there's family reasons with them and some other shit. Sure. But I sat there and I, and I was let go by their now manager, which is their lawyer at the time, which is funny. And the lawyer that I don't hire for them. And I sat there and I was like, what the fuck? Like, wait a second. I could bring everything I said I was going to do. Yeah. And tours and major record labels and all this stuff. And got fired for doing my job great. <laughs> so yeah. uh that one hurt and that one made me kind of like reevaluate, like, oh, this is this is really disposable. These they don't care as much as you think they care about you. Oh, interesting. And uh, so it was, I think our cows are the ones that made me realize that it's a business act. It's a it's a business. Right. Um, but in the same breath, that made me scale down my business and want to work with my friends more. Right. <laughs> Made you much more selective. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, um, and there's like, a, I had a, an employee of mine who was one of my really great dear friends who I brought into kind of didn't have a job, brought into like run my company uh, from the management perspective, build this management company. Okay. Talking about. Yeah. Everyone started leaving and then he just got up and left one day and without notice. And oh, it's the worst. And I'm sure that he has his reasons as well. Yeah. There's obviously two sides, but for me, uh, having just had a kid and being tired and trying to keep everything going, I was pretty hurt by that. 
So that one took a, a couple of years because it's like, oh, even I can't, you can't trust your best friend. Even yeah. your friends can do it sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. So um, there's the, those two ones were very hurtful for me and I still probably have a little bit of a scar. You know, I, I, I took back, we, we started working with our Kells again. And then um, I won't go to the finer details of what we did to make that record sound the way it did. <laughs> but that'll forever be for us to know. Yeah, well, we've just, talked about it off air. I know what yeah, happened. Then, yeah, um, yeah. Then I just, I, I just, they've turned into a band that's not what we're into. Right. Um, and that's great. They're 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 popular. And yeah, they're getting like lots them. of lots of radio play, um, big gigs, all that. Yeah, sure. Yeah. So uh, it's just not our our vibe. Uh, you bring you. I'll bring it up just because you br you brought yeah. it up and we've talked about it off the air. And then I, I will let you go. But this is all my this, behind me is all my pro, this is all my Pearl Jam vinyl. Um, oh, yes. This is my Pearl, and you mentioned Pearl Jam, and I know you worked with yeah. Jeff um, from the band. Yeah. Um, well, uh, how did that come about? We have a lot of side projects because as a kid who loves music and is is, is pretty thankful to, most of the time to be doing this and being able to concerts yeah. when I want to and yeah. Um, the, the opportunity came up to sign uh, Random, which is Jeff's side Sorry. band. And that came from a, a, an employee of ours in LA. Wow. And I was super enthusiastic and had dinner sure. with him. And it was rather cool. And I had just signed Nate from Sunny Day Real Estate and Foo Fighters. Nice. And did his solo record. And then did a Ben Shepard from Soundgarden solo record, which I love. Ben Shepard's one of my faves. So I, I, I we kind of be, we're doing all these side projects yeah. and Matt Cameron's solo record from Pearl Jam and Soundgarden. So it was like pretty awesome to be involved in these records, but on the reverse side of a fan, these are really wealthy people that I'm putting out records for and losing money on. <laughs> <laughs> they're not making dough, right? They're not selling a lot of copies. They're, like, they're like really expensive. Vanity projects, right? Yeah. 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 So it's like I, you know, I could just instead of losing forty thousand dollars, I could just go buy a record and buy a t-shirt and spend go see the show yeah but no i gotta be involved but no i want to hang out and have dinner with jeff Ament. yeah and you know what sometimes you make some friends along the way and it's nice to like i like stories i like meeting interesting yeah that's a really interesting thing and like specifically going through it and remaining grounded that's i always find that's quite humbling like you know like having hung out with like mike and jerry from alice and chains and like what they went through yeah to like to now and like you know everyone died around them drugs alcohol yeah. Yeah, and like yeah they're just super nice dudes that are they're humble and like, when, and you're and now you're hanging out with people like pink you know you're hanging out with alicia and you know well a lot of people really like dallas's voice so yeah. you're taking advantage of that yeah. yeah but you know pink's manager is gnarly his name's roger he's such a sweet dude and uh, i didn't realize how um he's like a he's so well revered that the biggest managers in the world don't really know him wow and because he he like pink janet jackson Cher, joe cocker sade wow like just this like icon yeah and then, uh, when i first met him it's just this australian dude that seemed really cool had awesome stories yeah that's great Amy campbell it's like give me these stories bud and then uh it wasn't until i met some people they're like you work with him i was like yeah yeah and then they're like taken back by it a bit wow kind of that's cool. pretty cool I, I had the opportunity to meet pink back when we were at mix 99.9 and i think it was when you know yeah. like don't let me get me was out and misunderstood i guess and she was just phenomenal she was just like she 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 knew the game and she was very she was amazing yeah. yeah oh no she's a she's 
she's very generous and fun yeah, yeah. It, i'm glad her and dal like that was a very funny moment when her and dal connected because like pink's nanny alicia pink yes. nanny was a big alexis on fire sitting color fan oh wow i was playing alexis on fire sitting color and we're playing like a headline show in hollywood and uh like alicia is coming with carrie hart and carrie was a big alexis fan He's BMX guy. Oh, right. Well, that's yeah, funny. Oh, right. Yeah. So they're there. And then I was like, and then it's this, this is another weird moment. Yeah. This is like a, for me. Yeah. And then like uh, Tony from No Doubt was a pal at the time. So he was coming with a couple pals. Mm-hmm. So like, it's not a big backstage. So you put like Pink over there. You put <laughs> Tony over there. And um, uh, uh, Hillary Duff's coming as well. Okay. She's, right, so then you put Hillary right. Duff's crew over here. And then I think uh, it was Ain't a Fire, some other big band. Anyways, it was this weird thing where I walked downstairs and I was like, what the fuck is going on here? <laughs> this is surreal. I just remember like walking back up and having like a, a beer and a shot with uh, my friends from Australia that were in right. town. I was like, it's just pretty fucking funny down there right now. Like, it's cool. <laughs> that's a lot. That's a lot. It's a lot to take in. Uh, well, you've earned every bit of your success, man. I uh, consider myself uh, pretty lucky to get to know you and exchange uh, stories with you and uh, and your and your lovely family. We didn't even get into the uh, the, the, the the changes that you go through with a family and and, uh, and oh. what that's like. My gosh, like yeah, you this, we could have a series of podcasts just talking about all this stuff. We could. I think didn't didn't Josie was didn't she do didn't she do a podcast about yeah. about it and st- yeah. yeah, she did like um uh, uh, eight. Eight-part series, yeah. That was really good. Yeah, it was really good, and uh, I, I wanted to keep this just on the uh, on the music side, um, but I'd love to have you back sometime talk about the personal side of life because I think you know the challenges that you've gone through there. You know, penis jokes aside, um, uh, is your your story is phenomenal, man, and uh, you're yeah. you're a great balance of a guy who really you know clearly you you're driven and you love what you do. But you love your family so much, and uh, I got much respect for you, man. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Um, Anytime. And obviously I'm an open book, so I yeah. have no problem. No, I appreciate it. That's true. You're not, yeah, you're willing to tell stories that some people might not be, and that's always very appreciated. Well, I hope you get back on your feet soon and um uh yeah. we'll see at some shows or um i'm i'm uh, my wife she i, sh- I should have wore it she went and ordered me a of the 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 dynalone hoodie so i got i got the black oh. hoodie with the old school kind of like a oh, yeah. t-shirt like factory one. style one yeah i got that one so oh yeah you know the one like it looks like it's ironed on you know one of the, the that, that that style one but Thank uh you. and i got some you know i got the master i got the dirty nil special edition here i'm a fan of what you guys do and i uh i'm willing to go to pocket for it which is rare for a guy in radio we don't go to pocket for much man <laughs> yeah all right well thanks a lot yeah well i appreciate it and uh so dine alone right so the web you know i mean I, everybody knows where you are dine alone records.com the uh here in toronto if you're ever on eastern avenue and you want to buy some records is a great place to do that so it's uh, yeah it's a lot of fun so i'm gonna hit i'm gonna, I'm gonna hit the extra and you can hear the changes songs here and then hang on one second. here we go we gotta start making sense this has been bob's basements thanks for listening that's the way it is for more information, email Bob at bobwillette at gmail.com. That's Bob Willette, like Gillette, with a W. Follow Bob on Twitter <laughs> at Bob Willette. Bob's Basement is available where you find your favorite podcasts. Until next time. Well, that's the way it is.